Does your next web application need a better controller backend? Do you have lots of devices that you need to uh, be able to manage? Well, there's a new project called Contractor that may be just what you're looking for. So check it out on Floss Weekly. Floss Weekly is brought to you from LastPass Studios. Stay in control when it comes to your company's access points and authentication. LastPass makes enterprise-level security simple for your remote workforce. Check out lastpass.com slash twit to learn more. Podcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. This is Floss Weekly, episode 576, recorded April 29th, 2020, Contractor. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Floss Weekly. We've got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking to Peter Howe about a pro- project called Contractor. Uh, it, it At first, it seems like uh, just a generic API builder, but the more we read about it and the more we find that it's associated with uh, Docker and, and uh, things like that, we think maybe it's a replacement for Flock or uh, even Kubernetes. But, uh, y- you know, we'll uh, we'll ask the expert about it. Uh, Dan, what do you what do you know about this project? Only the things that I've I've read today. Um, I've just been been having a quick look, and they've got some really nice documentation actually. I just remember look through the wiki. I I was wondering if it compared to something like Chef, but I suppose these are all things that we'll get into with with Peter. Um, as you pointed out, Chef's a really difficult name to Google, so at least this is a really a much easier <laughs> one to find for us. Yes, I, I came across some uh, advice a while ago when I was working on naming a project, and someone says, "Whatever you're thinking about naming your project." Go to Google, type that in, and look at the results. And if you think, yeah, I can probably search engine optimization my way to be able to get my project name on the first sheet of results, you're fine. But if you pick something like, oh, I don't know, Chef or Tire yeah. or one of those that is just so ubiquitous that you don't have a chance, better go find a different project name. <laughs> mm. I'll put some link uh, speak well, in there maybe. Yeah, there you go. Spell it with threes and, and fours instead of E's and A's. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've we've jumped ahead of ourselves. Uh, you may notice I am not Randall Schwartz. In fact, this is becoming uh, something of a habit. Uh, Randall is sadly out sick again today. Um, had a bit, of, bit of a stomach bug, it sounds like. Um, so we, of course, wish him all the best and hope that he will be back for next week. And joining me, as we've already discovered, is, uh, is Dan, uh, Dan Lynch, a wonderful and talented co-host. <laughs> Hey, it's good to be back. Yeah, you're right. I, we, this does feel a bit out, out of sequence, doesn't it? But that's fine because we can compile it again later. We'll use Contractor to like deploy it in a different order later, maybe um, <laughs> in the in the in the edit. Who knows? But yeah, it, it's good to be back. I'm um, I'm in my uh, I'm in Studio B. I'm going to call it, which is my Randall has his Tijuana kitchen set. This is my mm-hmm. uh, Merseyside kitchen set, I suppose. I'm uh, I'm in the, my parents' kitchen at the moment uh, as I'm here for isolation. So for the lockdown and uh, it's all looking pretty good it's quite sunny outside there's bits of sun leaking in so are you in your usual location as well jonathan yes i'm here in the the corporate headquarters in oklahoma and actually they're they're talking about here in another couple of days lifting a bunch of the restrictions as far as the quarantine and everything um so you know we can go out and get our hair cut and things like that uh i i think i may wait an extra week or two just because i i don't want to be one of the guinea pigs that rushes out and takes advantage of everything right away <laughs> but <laughs> Uh, looking yeah, forward maybe to that. wait, wait and see. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, all right, contractor. We've we've given our best guesses about what it's about, but you know we we have an expert with us. Uh, Peter, how are you today? Welcome to the show. I'm doing well. 
I'm glad to be here. <laughs> yeah. And, and so where are you speaking to us from? I'm in southwest Utah, about an hour north of uh, Zion National Park. Oh, okay. All right. Very cool. So you are, let's see, that way. You're back over there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from from my perspective. All right. Contractor, what's what's the thirty thousand foot view? Did we did we get reasonably close in our uh, introductory guesses? Well, I can say it's been a bit entertaining. All the guesses, of what it does over the last month. So uh, <laughs> close. Um, big picture. Uh, the the goal of Contractor was to simplify the operations. You know. Every time we get a new technology like Docker or Kubernetes or whatnot, we have yet another tool stack to do yet another thing for yet another group of people. And uh, you look at some of these organizations and they're just little teams all over the place with their own automation tools doing their own little thing and they're part of the stack. So Contractor was kind of a uh, a bid to try and replace all that with something, a single pane of glass for everything. I'm, I'm reminded by the old joke that um – Boy, nobody is. Let's see. How does it go? Uh, there are six competing standards, and and we can't get everyone on the same board. We should make yeah. our own standard. <laughs> Here's the seventh. Yeah, just like XKCD yeah. said. Yeah. Yes, it was an XKCD comic. So what what puts what what sets Contractor apart from the other solutions that are out there? So a lot of the solutions try to genericize every single technology into something generic. Uh, so that they can they can make it work. Contractor allows each of those separate technologies to be what they are, and you can take advantage of all the the uh, advantages all the different platforms. Like like uh, I have an example, like a load balancer. Say you want to deploy a load balancer. Uh, well, are you going to do it on a bare metal and a VM and AWS and appliance? So all those different things have their own advantages and disadvantages in technology. So the goal with Contractor is you would make a blue uh, a blueprint. That's what call, Contractor calls the plan you use to make something, a blueprint that could span all those. So the blueprint would say, hey, if I'm on bare metal, pixie boot it, install an OS, install um, Nginx and configure it. If it's a VM, you could do the same or you could deploy a pre, pre-built image. If it's Docker, you can deploy a pre Built image. If it's AWS, you can set up AWS's existing load balancers, or if it was some load balancing appliance, you could configure it. So each technology gets a specific uh, technology. Each platform uses the specific te- technologies. Well, it enables you to use the technologies from those platforms. All right. So th- this is interesting. This is kind of going a different direction than most solutions out here, and a lo- the different direction the way a lot of things have gone. So you're saying you get an advantage by doing less abstraction. Is that right? Yeah. So the the blueprint kind of inc- includes a, a, a script inside of it, and it can actually ask, am I deploying to AWS? And if so, take advantage of AWS. That way, whoever's deploying the load balancer just deploys the name load balancer. But mm-hmm. whatever the te- whatever platform they're de- they're deploying it on gets to take advantage of the the event gets to take advantage of the differences between the platforms. And so, does this kind of sit in the same space and and uh, answer the same problems as something like uh, Flock or Kubernetes would? I haven't messed with Flock much, and I'm not a Kubernetes expert preface that, but I, I don't <laughs> see this as much as a competitor to Kubernetes as more of a allow Kubernetes to do Docker and containers. 
uh, instead of trying to, well, we like Kubernetes and now let's make it do the hardware and do this and do that. All the stuff that Kubernetes wasn't really intended to do. So mm -hmm. you could use contractor to stand up your bare metal, install your hypervisor, whatever it is, and then install Kubernetes on that. And then you can have lots of little Kubernetes so instead of one big Kubernetes to rule them all. And if that one goes down, it takes everything out. So. And so, what what sorts of what sorts of projects uh, applications is uh, is this useful for? Like, what's a what's a typical use case? Uh, standing up environments. Uh, I, I've used this and similar technologies to do uh, full stack tests. So, say say you're in a, a group and. Uh, you want to test and see if this new package works. Well, you can do what most people do, and they have a lab, and every, you don't know who's got what in the lab, and then, you know, so-and-so set up that stack a while ago, and we don't know if it's any good. So at this, mm -hmm. since it can talk to vCenter and Docker and eventually Kubernetes, uh, you can say, go make me the entire stack. You load the entire stack on there, and you say, just build it. And when you're done, you blow it away, and then your lab's not full of leftovers. Things like that, and so sure. And so, how is this is this distributed? Like, so is is contractor a you know a, a custom spin of Linux, or is it just a, a Python program that gets run somewhere? Uh, is it a you know is is it a, it a Docker image itself? What does that look like? Uh, contractor itself is a HTTP server with uh, Django's ORM and Postgres in the background. So you can treat it like any old regular web server. Uh, right now, I've only got it work. Uh, I've got. Debian package is built for uh, Ubuntu, and there's a Docker container you can use to try things out, but it doesn't have a lot in it. Uh, other than that uh, web server, it, incidentally, that web server, unless someone makes a plugin that does otherwise, doesn't dial out to anybody. So all, those, all the uh, security likes that because you don't have one machine that has access into everything. What, what we do is we install a, a daemon called Subcontractor, and it, it exists in different places in the network. Uh, and does the specific jobs needed to run the script in the, in those places. So you can put, a, instance, a subcontractor in with your out-of-band management, your IPMI network, and it only gets jobs for IPMI. So you don't have to expose the IPMI or out-of-band network to, uh, to uh, a centralized host because the only thing talking to IPMI is that one instance a subcontractor with it. So you can spread these subcontractors all over through your your environment, and whenever there's a job that needs to be done for that specific technology and that specific network, that that subcontractor picks it up and does it. So, Peter, I was interested in the, the packages. I had a look at this earlier, um, how to install it and so on. And um, you, you, you're basing on, um, or it looks like you're basing on Ubuntu 16.04 was the guide. So is that a bit out of date yeah. now, or is that, yeah? Yeah. Uh, did I update that? I, re I recently jumped to the next, uh, I think it's, I'll have to update that. It's supposed to be 1804, not 1604. But yeah, the package oh, should be okay. 1804 now. Oh, okay. Maybe it's a typo and I didn't, maybe it's, there's still a typo in there that I picked up. But uh, I, I was, not, I was interested in, go on, sorry. Oh, I'm not the best at documentation, so I, <laughs> I've had lots of people look over the documentation and send me all my grammatical fixes, so. There's a lot of documentation, and most of it is pretty good. 
So actually, yeah, that's what I was saying before. I, I was mentioning to Jonathan, I've been reading through the documentation today on on uh, on your GitHub wiki and all that, and it, it is really good. That, that, so I don't want to sound like I'm you know steaming in, criticizing it, because it is really good. You've got a lot of stuff on there. Um, so as far as like using uh, Contractor, I was interested in like, uh, well, I suppose it's deploying what Jonathan was asking about. So deploying Contractor itself, you you would, how would I go about using this in my kind of infrastructure? Would it would it work for something like an existing project? Could I take an existing project and then say I'm going to move all this and manage it with Contractor, or would it be better for me to start afresh and say, you know, I'm going to start a a, a, a project and and use Contractor? It can coexist with existing stuff. Uh, the only thing you'd be aware of is. Uh, naming conflicts from stuff that contractor might create that might pre-exist. Uh, you'd probably want to import all this existing stuff into contractor so it's aware of it. But uh, no, you don't need to. You don't need to have greenfield for this. You can start with what you have. Excellent. And how long has the project been running for? It's 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 relatively recent, I believe. Uh, contractor itself started about three years ago. Um, it's based off a bunch of stuff I learned from the previous, uh, 15 plus years of doing various automation things. Uh, so yeah, about three years ago, the company I worked for decided to downsize and I was without a job and I figured, Hey, while I have time, uh, I'll take all these things I've learned over the years and put them into something. Yeah, that's uh, that's really 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 cool to hear. I mean, you've almost also almost answered one of the our kind of I don't know slightly kind of more controversial questions, which is: is this like a labor of love or is it like a, a commercial thing as well? Do you see it as a you know a money making thing in the future or is it one now? Uh, it's definitely not a money maker now. Uh, it's more of a it's one of those projects I'd like to see it kind of like the good old days of open source where people, wherever they happen to work, contribute to it for what they need. That's kind of the direction I'm hoping to take. Mm. So, Yeah, that's excellent. And I noticed you, you, you're all under, it's it's mostly Python code and it's all under the Apache 2 license as well. So was there a reason you decided to go for Python and license it that way? Or was it, was it just that you like Python or you know Python? Uh, I liked Python. Uh, from most of what I've seen, most DevOpsy type stuff tends to be written in Python or Go. There is some Go on there for a uh, a command line shell, kind of like ESXCLI or Kube Control. Um, the reason for Apache 2 spawns is mostly because uh, the company I used to work for that when they open source stuff, they like to use Apache 2. So that's what I went with. Most of the plugins that are already on there are actually MIT licensed, just so that there isn't any questions. If you make it your own plugin, you don't have to worry about uh, anything, any problems taking the code I've already written for plugins. So it's a combination of MIT and Apache too. Hmm. Excellent. I mean, and I, I did notice there's a little bit of Go in there as well. I have to admit, I'm, I was going to say slightly scared of Go. That's not the right way to, to use, but <laughs> I haven't done anything with Go and everybody keeps telling me Go is amazing. So is that something that you think will come more into the project in the future? Uh, I'll probably leave the Go mostly for the utilities like Contractor CLI, um, only because it's easy to move those around. I find that I can get much more stuff done in Python than I can in Go. Not to mention it's easier to Google for Python than it is for Google. <laughs> <laughs> 
that is, that is very true. There's a lot of lot of resources out there. So let's talk a bit about um, about the, the kind of well, I was going to say the, the structure of uh, of uh, that's a bit of a pun people might get later when we explain how <laughs> all this works. But the, the structure of, of all this, because you you actually have elements in, so you have elements called structures, and then you have foundations. What are these things, and how do they link together? How does that work? So when I started this project, I realized that using naming conventions that people already had would be uh, – when you come to a new project, you you apply to the names, the experience you had from the last project. So I started all new with, with building terms. Uh, so everything's structure, foundation, site, uh, complex, blueprints, foundations. So the reason for the structure and foundation stuff is to add the layer of abstraction needed to have the same thing run on multiple uh, technologies. So – each technology essentially has its own subclass of a, a foundation, and that foundation brings with it all the different things you can do with that particular technology. Uh, for example, the Docker Foundation, since you don't really assign an IP address to a Docker container, you assign it ports and forward it through to the, the host, that, uh, that plugin brings in the ability to port map, whereas the, the plugin and the foundation for vCenter uh, – doesn't do that. It keeps track of, you know, the, the host and the cluster and the login creds for vCenter and stuff instead. So that's why there's a difference there. It's also kind of to make it so the engineers who are making the software can maintain the structure and then the ops people who maintain the infrastructure can maintain the foundations. And uh, it kind of allows the two groups to separate a little bit. That way, mm. if uh, operations wants to try a new platform, they just take the structures that are exist made by engineering and apply it to the new foundations and give it a try. That's really cool, having that kind of um, mental split or, or de delineation between like the ops stuff and the development stuff. I really like that. So um, I have to give credit to Jonathan here because he's just sneaked me a, a, a great question in the in the chat there, which is, do you have a construction background? How come how come you, you ended up using construction as the, the metaphor, if you like? Uh, I recently finished my... Recently finished building this house, and so construction was on the mind. <laughs> ah, okay. Right, yeah, that, that makes sense. Well, it, from what we can see of the house, it looks lovely, although we can't see a lot <laughs> beyond your webcam, obviously. I'm sure it's fantastic. Um, yeah, so you, you've got some other things in there. I was reading through the documentation. So you have this idea that um, you have structures and, and, and foundations and so on, and they can, so you have like a site. You'll have like what you would call it. I like that the, the word site, I've just realized, works in a construction sense as well. I didn't think of that before. But you've yeah. got like sites, like websites and construction sites. And um I'm explaining your own your own naming convention to you there. Sorry, but uh, <laughs> just, just my brain just my brain just clicked in, and I thought, Do you know what, a site, yeah, of course. Why don't I think of that? Um, yeah, so you've got um, you've got that, but you also have things called complexes, which is where you're kind of multiplexing almost these things together. Yeah. Does that make sense? Well, well, how does a complex work in this in this context? So uh, when you are building something like a vCenter cluster, the ESX host itself sits on a bare metal foundation and provides ESX. Then you take all those ESX structures and time together into a complex, as in a building complex, you know, like apartments and stuff. And from there, you can put the VMs on the complex that's built on the structures that makes vCenter itself. So you can actually uh, load into contractors' database all the necessary information to build, like your your bare metal, and then to set up the vCenter, and then some VMs, and then Docker in those VMs, and you push go, and you walk away, and you come back, and it's in, it's installed uh, vCenter, and put VMs on it, put Docker containers in those VMs all by itself. 
Hey, Peter, I want to jump in. Um, we've gotten a couple of questions from the chat room, and uh, I kind of want to dig into what they're asking about. And that is, we're, we're, we're doing great on kind of this 30,000-foot view, but to help understand it, let's let's look at a uh, down-on-the-ground example uh, and make sure I, I kind of have a, a good mental model of what we're doing here. So let's just say that I've built a web application, and it's going to have, oh, I don't know, um, maybe it's going to run on... Um, it's going to run on Apache, let's say. And so there's a bunch of PHP code. We're kind of going retro on this application. There's going to be a <laughs> bunch of PHP code. Um, and then uh, maybe I've got um, a little smattering of, of a, a Perl plugin or something. And then I know I'm going to need a, a SQL database to back everything up. Um, and then I've got a hardware load balancer and two or three different um, – web servers sitting behind that hardware load balancer. And so I already know this is how this web application is going to work. But then I say, I want the tools from contractor to be able to deploy this. What does that process look like where the, the rubber meets the road? What, what does contractor bring to that? And then how do you, how do you go about setting something like that up? So to set all that up, you would make a blueprint for each of your pieces. Well, each either container or VM or whatnot, uh, and each of those blueprints, you'd name it like a, the uh, a, uh, application server and load balancer and database server. And then the database server one, for example, would say, hey, I need to install Ubuntu 18.04. Uh, so there's an 18, Ubuntu 18.04 um, blueprint already there that you would inherit from, and you would add to that what packages to install and what commands to run. And then when it runs that blueprint, it would then install Ubuntu 18.04 and then run all those commands you added to it to uh, um, install and configure a package. Uh, you could also use a CFM. Uh, contractor itself, stay, is since it's a web server, it's always running. So you can ask Contractor, hey, what's the configuration for me? And it'll give you back a JSON encoded dump of all the configuration information that's relevant to that VM container or whatnot. So you can take that and parse it and send it to the CFM or run it to a locally to, to do stuff with it. Or you could actually, if your application uh, would read json encoded stuff you could save that to a local file and you could actually put your applications configuration information into contractor itself all right so to to kind of extend our uh, our little example here let's say oh no my web application just ended up on the front page of slash dot um I think I'm dating myself here using all of these old old terms and websites and technologies. Or anyway, <laughs> or dig, yeah, why Combinator? That's what the, that's where the cool kids oh. are at. Uh, <laughs> my my web application ended up on you know towards the top of one of these different lists, and uh, suddenly my server cluster is just getting hammered. Does contractor help spin up more resources? How, does it make that process easy? So contractor itself doesn't do any orchestration. It's uh, Simplifying the life of an orchestrator. I've actually started an orchestration project, but it's not ready to talk about. Um, so if you had something that was watching your, app, your application and said, oh, no, we need more resources, it could, shove the, it could shove the request for more resources into Contractor, and it would build it out for you. Okay, so it, it can – now I'm trying to think about how this would work. So uh, would it would contractor be able to you know given a request um, in this case say hey I need you to go grab three more VMs on this machine and build out three more um, 
three more web web front ends, back ends behind the uh, load balancer, and they go reconfigure the load balancer to add them to the pool. Is, is that something that's uh, in scope? Yeah. Uh, so you would uh, call – there's a HTTP interface. You could use curl or I've written a few libraries. Just add new structures and foundations to the VM cluster. Contractor would then spin those up. Uh, you could also make a utility script. So so that then you run that u- utility script on your load balancer and tell the load balancer to reconfigure itself. So mm-hmm. e- each blueprint has a configure and a destroy script that's required. And then you can add lots of utility scripts. Like say you had a piece of hardware, you could make a firmware upgrade utility script. And instead of blowing away the machine and reinstalling it to upgrade the firmware, you run this utility script and it shuts it down nicely, upgrades the firmware and starts back up for you. So. Mm-hmm. And so, what what all are the backends that this can talk to? I mean, I, I think you've uh, I think you've mentioned the Amazon Cloud. Does it have support for things like Azure, Google Cloud, and and uh, there's untold numbers of more <laughs> uh, different <laughs> providers. Uh, currently, well supported is vCenter and something called AMT, which is Intel's vPro. It's an out of band management for vPro machines. Uh, mm-hmm. There is a, uh, look, I can do it, support for AWS and uh, Azure. All all the plugin does is create uh, an image. It's just like, hey, look, it works. Uh, The Docker Docker support uh, is decent. There's a bunch of stuff missing. Uh, So, yeah, it's right now what's mostly fleshed out is the bare metal and vCenter stuff. Mm -hmm. And do you have a feel for uh, how many people are, are actually using Contractor? (laughs) <laughs> one just me <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's well i mean I that's count. a it's a starting point <laughs> yeah, yeah. <we> <laughs> uh, so are you it's the user it's the user base happy do you get a lot of complaints from the user base about about this you're one user know, base, you know, leave <laughs> notes to yourself yeah I was wondering if you come in in the morning and there's a nasty post-it note on the <laughs> on the screen. Or something. My alter ego didn't like that stuff last night. <laughs> um, yeah, I, actually, Peter, I do want to ask. So, are you are you actually eating your own dog food? Is this is Contractor being used in the hosting of Contractor or any of those things? Uh, no, the all the hosting of Contractors on uh, public cloud stuff. Well, it's on GitHub, and then I have a peep. Uh, PPP with a few Debian packages in it, and then there's a Docker container up on Docker Hub. So, yeah. I, I, all right. So, what? Uh, um, just thinking about you know this idea that you're the only one using it. Who, who is the target audience then? Like, if you were to say, well, this this business or this use case, these are the guys that really should know about this and start using it. Who is that? Uh, bare metal people up through uh, hypervisors at this point. Uh, I would love more feedback on what's there and what they think about it. Right. And so that's kind of the technology that would be using it. But I, I mean, more like, uh, what's, what sort of applications, you know, is, is this something that, uh, you know, way, way down the road, maybe, uh, Amazon could use to, to do some of their, uh, I, don't, I don't know, maybe that's a silly example, but, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, if I, it, if I was if I was to build out a web application, is it something that would be used for that, or is it something that someone would use for, uh, I don't know, a uh, if they're going to spin their own version of something like Carbonite, uh, would they turn to this? Like, what kind of what kind of uh, use cases do you imagine there? 
Yeah, hosting providers would be a, a good place for this to be used. Um, also, though, uh, people who are doing the multi-cloud buzzword uh, who have <laughs> stuff both on-premises and off-premises and in various clouds. So th this would bring all the stuff you have in various places back to one central database. Uh, yeah. Sure. Uh, we, we did have a question earlier in the chat room from Jojo Dancer, who's been one of the ones asking questions. He says, is there is there much of an overhead for using Contractor? No, not at all. Um, the web server itself uh, is quite light. Um, and then there's just uh, the subcontractor daemon and a DHCP daemon that run wherever you need to put them. So it's actually quite light. And so if somebody wanted to play around with this, is this something that's light enough to run on, say, a Raspberry Pi? Uh, possibly. I run it on my desktop all the time using VirtualBox. So mm -hmm. I'll put Contractor in VirtualBox and then have it turn around make more machines on the VirtualBox instance it's sitting on. So that's a good way to oh. play it around with. Oh, that's that's interesting. That's that's very uh, that's very meta. It could accidentally yeah. delete itself, too, if you had a pro to a bigger problem. <laughs> Yeah, luckily, Contractor, when you're talking about VMs, keeps track of things via UUID. So since the instance of Contractor you put in doesn't know the, con the UUID of itself, it won't mess with itself very much. Unless you create another VM named Contractor and then uh, your, host or your, uh, first, your hypervisor might have trouble. Uh, yeah, so another question from the chat room. Does it work for any other applications or is it just web apps? How could you incorporate this into a general app? Uh, so this itself doesn't really care what it is that's deploying. Uh, mm -hmm. When I was messing with it, I had it provisioned and talked to an Arduino and text files. So there isn't really an application, but whatever you need automated. Technically, you can make a plug into uh, reconfigure your network switches, although I probably wouldn't do that just yet. <laughs> so I, I'm just thinking about the question here. I would, I would say that probably, uh, probably what this would be targeted at then in that sort of case would be running the, the back end, the kind of the data center stuff that your application is going to talk to, regardless of what kind of application it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's about right. Uh, okay, and then let's let's talk a little bit about. Uh, I, I can channel Simon for just a few minutes. Uh, is everything <laughs> about this open sourced, or do we have some closed source plugins? It's all open source. It's all there. Okay. Do you Nothing have a? Uh, do, <laughs> do you do you have a, a game plan for how to uh, commercialize, how to make some money? Uh, I have another full time job, and for now, I don't see any reason to make a business out of this. Just I find it useful for me and see if anybody else finds it useful and wants to help contribute and play with it. And so what was the, um, I guess, what was the, the use case for when you, when you first started building this? I, I know we talked a little bit about this, that, that it's just kind of a, a labor of love, but did you have something in mind that uh, it's like this, this is a problem that would be really interesting to solve. Hey, why don't I build something to, to solve it? So most of the U cases I wrote it for were things I already solved with previous tools. Uh, there wasn't a specific use case I was thinking of going forward. It was mostly solving all the problems I've had in the past with it so that when I get to it again, I already had the tool made. I don't have to write a new one. 
Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, uh, this, uh, Peter, I was curious about, like, y- you mentioned, I mean, we, we've talked about, like, getting people involved and stuff. Now, I know you're quite keen to do that. So what kind of things uh, could people help with? I mean, wh- what kind of things do you need? Uh, what kind of things are you looking for to get people involved in the project? Most of it is just people to give it a try, give some feedback. Um, uh, also, any help with, you know, letting me know where I've messed up with my documentation and instructions. Mm-hmm. Uh, if somebody wants to write a plugin, they're more than welcome to try and write a plugin or extend the plugins that are already there. So, uh, if they did want to write a plugin, what's is it? It's just something they could do in Python. What kind of skills would would somebody need? Say, I think to myself, this sounds great. I want to get him. I'm going to go and write a plugin. As how would I go about that? Is there any instructions on that? Uh, there aren't really any instructions. You mostly take the plugin that exists. That's as close to what you want and extend it. A plugin mostly mm-hmm. consists of two halves. There's a part that runs inside a contractor, which maintains the the models for the database. And then there's another plugin that goes into subcontractor that actually calls the APIs uh, for that particular technology. So your Python in subcontractor would be doing things like talking to IPMI tool or vCenter, and then your plugin inside a contractor itself is mostly a Django ORM file, a models file, and uh, some code to bundle up and send out the information needed by subcontractor. Most of the plugins are not very complicated. Hmm. So there's some Django involved in this as well. That sounds, I didn't realize that. That sounds interesting. Yeah, I'm just using Django's ORM. The the tool prior to this one that did some of the similar things used Django. And I've liked the ORM, so I just kept the ORM and put it on the new one. Hmm. Yeah, I, I do love the, the Django ORM, I've got to be honest, the object relational mapper for anybody who's, who wants to look that up. Uh, it is very cool. Um, so we, we've got a, a quick question from Andromeda, Andromedan. Uh, I hope I've said that right. The Andromedan, sorry, not just Andromedan, who says, is this, a, is this akin to Nomad, brackets HashiCorp, or Kubernetes? We kind of asked so, about Kubernetes already, yeah. I'm not familiar with Nomad. I know about Terraform, and Terraform does do some of the things as contractor. Uh, I've had trouble with Terraform in the past, you know, with people, you know, committing to one central file and things getting out of sync. And so a contractor solves that by just having a centralized database, everything, everybody puts their stuff into. That in Terraform has to is one of those tools that has to genericize things to a point where it's just like, uh, make it and turn it on and off, and that's all Terraform lets you do. Oh, okay. Um, uh, hopefully that covers the the question, uh, the Andromedan. I'm sure they'll let us know. Um, so the other thing that we we were going to ask about right at the start, which again we kind of should have asked about <laughs> earlier on, but you've got. Um, we were curious about like Tecton. I think is that how you say it, Tecton? Is that is that the name of the project, or is that a company name, or how, what what is what is Tecton? That's the name of the project. Tecton is Greek for builder or craftsman, artisan. So uh, when I was looking for names to make it Googleable, I found that. And uh, unfortunately, tecton.com wasn't available, so I got it with a three. So just pretend like the three is an E, and uh, it works. That's excellent. So I, I'm, I never knew that. I'm learning stuff here. So this is Greek. Um, <laughs> yeah. Is, is there anything else? Is, does Tecton do anything else, or is it just contractor that you're working on? 
Uh, inside that repo, there's a set of Pixie Boot uh, images that uh, you can use with Contractor. One of them is actually used for Contractor when it's discovering new hardware. You can tell to Pixie Boot that up and you'll register with Contractor, make sure it's the right hardware. Uh, there's also a project in there called Architect. That's the one I'm working on uh, as the the orchestration above Contractor. Architects make the plans, Contractor builds them. So I figured that worked. Uh, I think that's most of it. There's a uh, the the Go the CLI written in Go and some documentation. There might be some other random stuff in there, but that's most of it. Excellent. So you mentioned the CLI. Um, would, is there a dashboard as well? Is the, the, you're running a web server, so I'm assuming it's like a web dashboard. How would I interact with? Uh, w with contractor, is it just through the CLI, or can I do it, you know, by clicking things and I don't know, doing stuff like that? <laughs> there is a React-based uh, web front-end UI. Uh, it is mostly read-only, so you can see what's going on, but you can't really add things from there. Uh, I'm not the best at UI, so don't judge me ahead of time. Uh, <laughs> I'm a back-end guy, not a front-end guy. What can I say? But yeah, mo most of the actual manipulation you could do via the CLI or you can use curl. The, the try it stuff is actually all in curl. And then I've written some examples of how to add stuff and manipulate it with Go and Python. So curl, Python, Go, or the CLI. Excellent. So that's something that people could get involved in then. If there's anybody, you know, watching this, listening to this, who's like a UI person who wants to get involved, that could be something that, that they could definitely add on for you. Yeah, definitely. It'd probably look much better than the UI that's there. Yeah, well, I, I know what that's like. Don't worry. I think we all we all feel that one um, <laughs> when we're used to like to you know bashing away on things, and then you say to somebody, "What do you mean? It's perfectly obvious. You just type this command, and then you scroll down three <laughs> thingies, and you press that button, and anyone can do that." Uh, yeah, we've all done that. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Try to read me. Exactly. Um, yeah. So you mentioned that like it's, it's a, so you, you, you'd like people to try and get involved. Can Do you accept pull requests and stuff? Or you, would you be happy to accept pull requests and get things, uh, get other things in there? Oh, yes. Pull requests. Welcome. Excellent. Excellent. And um, and it's uh, yeah. So anybody watching, listening to this, who's interested in uh, contractor and wants to get involved, then the, the message very much is, is please come on and get involved. And we've got another question from uh, the Andromedan has popped up again. Uh, it says, does this require Linux or can it run on other platforms such as FreeBSD, Solaris, etc.? Uh, contractor itself shouldn't require Linux itself since it's Python, Django, and Postgres. Um, I haven't tried it on anything else, but I'm sure if you get the right version of Python, Django, and Postgres, it'll work. There are a few packages it requires, like Toml and uh, Jinja, and then uh, another library that I wrote that's required. But other than that, it should work. And if, if it's, um, sorry, go on. The subcontractor daemon itself is a little more platform-specific. Uh, the DHCP server does have to open a socket, so there might be some changes in there if you wanted to listen on different types of sockets. So I was curious about Windows, uh, yeah, things like Windows and Mac as well. I, I'm assuming pretty much anywhere you can run Python and you've got the right database. In theory, it should it should start to get somewhere because your subcontractors could be in other in other hosts that are Linux hosts, yep. couldn't they? Further down the chain. Yeah, and there's always a Docker container you can use. 
Ah, excellent. There you go. So does it, uh, that was the answer, wasn't it? We can put it in Docker. That would be on pretty much anything. Uh, that, yeah. that's, that makes sense. Um, excellent, excellent. So, I mean, what got you, I mean, we, we've asked a bit about how the project got started, but how did you kind of get involved in this, you know, in doing this kind of stuff yourself? You mentioned that you're a, you know, like a back-end guy. What brought you into all of this? So a few jobs back, I started, I got really lazy and didn't want to maintain my bind into Apache config files. So I wrote some PHP scripts that would generate those for me. And then in a later job, I wrote some PHP to maintain uh, some ESX stuff. And then my most recent job before the one I have now uh, was for a backup company. And I was at the time taking a bunch of tools that they had and condensing them down to fewer tools to make it easier to use. And uh, then we ended up. Then I ended up using this tool on a large uh, multi-exabyte object cloud uh, object store for a client. So that was fun. Yeah. So yeah, that sounds that sounds like uh, say so a multi-exabyte. That sounds like a lot of data. I mean, I, I'm not mass, I'm not a data guy. I've got to be honest. But even <laughs> I can understand. That's a fair amount of data. Hundreds of thousands of hard drives. And the, the tool I wrote uh, took care of them all, at least to start it up. Once it was up, then we turned that, the tool off and let, let them u uh, maintain it with Stone Age tools. So, so is that your speciality then? Is that your kind of day job, if you like? Uh, yeah, my day job is uh, working with hardware, so putting stuff on hardware. Excellent. So bare metal. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Everything seems to everybody's obsessed with virtualization now. Do you get a bit fed up of everybody just constantly going on about Docker and other stuff? Do you ever think we what we really need here is a load of physical servers that we can just <laughs> fire up? Uh, you you can't win that one, so don't try. But <laughs> Docker and Kubernetes have to run somewhere, so. Uh, there, there, there's plenty of tools out there that kind of like, oh, you want to use Kubernetes? Well, use our little your script over there to get Kubernetes installed, and then we're good. So, yeah, you got to do it sometime. Yeah, it's it's interesting as you kind of watch what's going on with the the market and the computer world as a whole. You know, obviously there's been this huge shift over to I, I guess first it was virtualization, and now we're going in the direction of Docker. But there, there does seem to kind of be this drift back towards, well, what happened? What would happen if we were to make little small computers and run everything on bare metal? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> so it is kind of going back that direction a little bit. Yeah, especially with all the uh, Intel uh, CPU flaws going around. Um, the, other, the other thing that happens is, you know, you have somebody wrote an application and it runs in VMs. And now in order to use the new hotness, you got to rebuild it and chop it up in little pieces and make lots of containers and just so you can use Kubernetes. So with Contractor, you don't have to go and rewrite your old application to get the ability to automate the installation and maintenance of it. Just oh, that's, run what you that, have. That's interesting. So you can, you can run bits of Contractor without using things like uh, Docker applications and VMs. It, it can handle just kind of the bare metal programs too. Yep. So if the only pain you feel is getting uh, your bare metal up and getting vCenter or Kubernetes installed, you can use it for just that. Okay. That's 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 interesting. So, uh, so what if someone didn't want to use uh, Kubernetes or didn't want to use um, 
virtualization service at all and just wanted to say, all right, I have this binary and it needs to run on that piece of bare metal. Is that something a contractor can do too? Yep. So the killer application for this might be <laughs> the killer application for this might be uh, managing that cluster of Raspberry Pis that you built and you don't know what to do with. <laughs> yeah, it could be. You could uh, put a little uh, board on there that allows you to control the power of Raspberry Pi and make a plug in to talk to it. Uh, that's great. I, I love that. Um, so you on, on the back end of this, it uses uh, Postgres, right? Yeah. And so what was behind the, the decision to use Postgres instead of one of the other solutions out there? Uh, the team I was on at the time was all into Postgres, and it looked better than the MySQL I was using, so I switched <laughs> to Postgres. <laughs> your, your thought process on designing this looks like, well, honestly, all of the rest of us, uh, we reach for whichever tool we, we are most familiar with and use last. Yeah. In theory, the <laughs> Django ORM should let you pick all sorts of databases but at one point, I needed something to do a database lock, so I didn't, ha so I could make a long HTTP request. And uh, when I put the database locking in, it kind of pinned it to Postgres. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, uh, is there a future then in which someone could use a distributed database for Contractor? Uh, sure. If uh, I think. I think that the, you could use distributed Postgres and other than that database lock, if you wanted to just turn the lock into a 30-second wait you could, or whatever second wait, you could use whatever SQL database Django can make an ORM for. So somebody in the chat room uh, just asked the question. I think we're talking about it. So uh, Jojo Dancer again says, uh, what would it take to make it work with uh, something like an SQL database? Uh Mostly just uh, change your your Django config to use the other database and try it out, see if it works. <laughs> yeah, well, one of the nice things about these platforms like Django and Flask and you know all of those is is they kind of use this. Um, well, it's an abstracted uh, way of talking to databases, and so you just when you set it up, you give it a little bit different information, and I guess theoretically that should work, shouldn't it? Yeah, you'll have the trouble with the database locks, but. Like I said, there's a way around that. Sure. Um, so normally at about this time on the show, I start asking questions like, what is the weirdest thing that you've seen someone do with this project? Um, I, I guess we can ask that. What is the weirdest thing that you've done with this project? <laughs> uh, run an Arduino with it. So I actually set it up. So I had an Arduino with uh, one of those LED bar graphs on the front. And uh, when I started my job, my 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 build, it would flash the Arduino with the with some code, and then every so often it would tell the Arduino to update the LEDs to move the LEDs up. So that was kind of fun. That that is actually really interesting. So you know, Internet of Things (IoT) is kind of the uh, the big new frontier that everybody's excited about. Uh, there there could be a future for using something like Contractor uh, to manage IoT devices, isn't there? Yeah, the, the other thing, the other side of that coin is since you write a plugins for whatever, if your corp, if your enterprise has some internal application that needs to be warned of every time you add a new worker to the worker queue, you can write a plugin and put that in contractor, and instead of waiting for the VM or the container to auto register, you can just say, "Hey, proprietary application, here's your new host. Enjoy." So that that the script inside the the blueprint is really quite 
versatile. You can do all sorts of stuff with it. Uh, for example, when you with uh, the existing vCenter plugin, when you go to make a new VM, there's a script that runs inside a contractor that makes a decision which host to put it on. And uh, if you wanted, you could add to that something to call out to some other business logic to make a decision or add, write some other fancy business logic in the script to make the decision which host to stick it on. All right. Very cool. And, and then uh, I'm curious, what's kind of on your roadmap as you look forward on doing development? What's what's upcoming? What new features can we look forward to? Uh, I'm going to be working on Kubernetes support. And uh, I don't know if you've heard of Proxmox, but it's uh, kind of a replacement for vCenter that runs on top of KVM. So I'm probably going to write a plugin for that, too. Okay. Uh, excellent. And then we, we do have some questions that we're legally required to ask you or we get yelled <laughs> at by the chat room. Uh, blockchain, 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 blockchain. Sure. Why not? <laughs> you, you, you make a plugin for blockchain and uh, when the when, when your, your mining machine successfully grabs you some Bitcoin, you can run a special script that turns on the flashy lights and says hooray. <laughs> Oh, I would I would think something more like using blockchain to secure your database or to to distribute your configuration files. Or <laughs> surely the there's some way we answers. can make it work, right? <laughs> you can't do the obvious answers. That's what everybody else does. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and then um, I I do want to make sure and ask before we let you go. Uh, our our two very important questions. The first one is: What is your favorite scripting language? Uh, would that be Python? Probably. Yeah. Python. Probably Python. Yeah. I, I, I wondered if that would be the case. And then the one I don't know about, uh, what's the text editor you spend all day in? Uh, Adam and nano. Nano. Oh, really? <laughs> well, when you're SSH into something, it's kind of hard to, uh, get Adam to edit that file. And, uh, huh. the, the best thing that all of the Vim I know is how to get out of it. So. <laughs> I started uh, so using some people don't, don't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was going to say some people don't even know that. And because Randall's not here, I feel I can say this. Emacs is harder to get out of <laughs> for me, anyway. I find like, how do I get out of this? So like, like three jobs ago, I decided, hey, I'll learn Emacs. And when I changed jobs, I never picked it up again. <laughs> Sorry, Randall. Uh, so, so Randall does his little uh, does his little celebration whenever he gets somebody that gives the answers that he likes. And uh, I've got to say, woohoo, two out of two. If I had to give you my two favorite uh, <laughs> scripting languages right now, of course, this is subject to change. But uh, my last project, I picked Python, and uh, I've been enjoying that. And then I, I do, I go to Nano for most of my editing tasks. And I, I think the reason that I made that decision is when I way, way, way back when I first got started doing programming, I was doing Microsoft Key Basic. And, and Nano looks almost exactly like the Microsoft editor. And so it's just what I'm comfortable with. And I know that is the weirdest reason, but it's just it's what feels like home to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I started with Pico, oh. and so that moved on to Nano. Yes. I, I I wonder if there's any history there about how those different projects, how Pico and, and the Microsoft editor, if they shared any code way back in the day. Uh, so, Peter, is there anything that we did not ask you about that you just want to make sure that our audience knows about? Uh, I don't think so. I think that was it. All right. Well, this has been uh, Peter Howe talking about Contractor, part of the TechTon project. And uh, – 
thank you so much for being here today. It was a great interview. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me. All right. Uh, Dan, what do you think? Yeah, really interesting stuff. My ears pricked up at the end when he mentioned Proxmox because I'm I absolutely love Proxmox. Um, I use it for all my servers and stuff um, at the moment, so that's really nice. So we'll have to uh, if get Peter back on if he does get some Proxmox integration going on. Very cool. Um, people are asking about the website. Um, it's in the if you search for Tecton, which is T three K T O N. Um, you'll find it very easily, I would imagine. Um, and um, we'll put obviously links in the show notes and the stuff at the bottom. So if you want to check out the project, you want to get, you want to literally check it out from GitHub, you can do <laughs> um, and find and find out what's going on there. But um, I was interested in the whole um, the idea of of using it for uh, actual physical devices because I mean we talked about Peter being a hardware guy, and that actually I hadn't even twigged at the first. But of course, managing things like Raspberry Pis, which you brought up, Jonathan, and IoT devices uh in in this with this tool could be really useful actually so what's what's really interesting about that of course now that we've let him go is when i think about this you can pixie boot a raspberry pi three or four and so i'm i'm now really curious whether that's a thing that you could do with contractor whether you could use it to manage your pixie booting of your pies (laughs) oh yeah that's very cool. That's very cool. So, I mean, actually, there's lots of little things we can we could probably do with this. And if people, I mean, we Peter's already said this, but we already said it as well. But re- really, you know, the idea of, of getting on the show, I think, is to get people to come and test out the project and see and let, get involved. Let's help, you know, make these things work. That's kind of, I mean, I'm going into all philosophical stuff now, but that's open source, isn't it? That's <laughs> what we do. We, we, we get things, we test them, we break them, we complain a bit, we fix them, we, we do this sort of stuff. Yeah, and it's really interesting to talk to a project that's in this kind of this stage of development where he's put enough of the code together that it sounds like it's beginning to be useful. Like you could actually use this to build something with, something useful. But he doesn't have any outside contributions yet. He doesn't have any outside users. And so obviously there's there's untold number of projects that have been at this point and then there's two different directions that you can go. One is, well, it kind of dies there. Nobody ever uses it. But what we hope for is – yeah, a whole bunch of people find this to be really useful, and uh, it kind of takes off. And then we were we were part of that uh, that initial kickoff of getting everybody on it. So I think that's pretty cool. Mm, definitely, yeah. All right. Well, we better we better pivot and start talking about what's coming up next for Floss Weekly. And uh, May 6th, we have Presto, which uh, we kind of got a question in about this doing distributed databases. Presto is a way to query distributed databases, looking at solving some of those hard problems with how you do uh, uh, databases in different places and, and trying to keep all the data concurrent and, and all of those things. Uh, then May 13th, we have NetData, which is really real-time monitoring and it looks like a pretty interesting project uh they they have all kinds of fun visual dashboards and and things of that nature to be able to do uh uh, keep track of everything and then uh the week after that on the 20th may 20th we have minds db which is an explainable auto ml framework for developers built on top of pytorch which boy that is a mouthful full of buzzwords i like the next line better 
It enables you to build, train, and test state-of-the-art machine learning models in as simple as one line of code. Mine's DB. That'll be interesting. It's all about machine learning and making it simple. Uh, that is the only three projects that we have queued up for Floss Weekly. So uh, if you have a project that you know of, or particularly if you're part of one, uh, give Randall an email. That's uh, Merlin at Stonehenge.com. And uh, email him, let him know the project, and he will get you scheduled. And uh, we can start filling out the rest of May. And I think uh, uh, June is even open to be able to get some projects into. So make sure and send him an email. Um, that is our wrap-up. Um, do you have anything, Dan, that you want to plug before we uh, end the show? Um, not really. I will quickly mention uh, the, the project I talked about last time, actually, which was to um, make PPE visors. Uh, the, my, my hack space, my local maker space are actually doing that at the moment and distributing them to uh, to health workers, which is great. So um, if you have a look for Does Liverpool, that's uh, the word Does, D-O. Yes, I had to think about how to spell it. D-O-E-S, <laughs> liverpool.com. Uh, there's a banner on there which says about PPE. If you click on that, you can find out how to get involved and how to contribute things like materials or, or money if you feel like it or, or time if you if you can help out in some way. So, um, yeah, please have a look at that. <laughs> uh, don't worry about having to think about how to spell that. Being live on camera makes your mind work about 50% slower, I think. It's just – it's always been a thing. <laughs> And being uh, all right. as well. Ah, well, <laughs> I understood. Um, so I will plug my weekly article over on Hackaday. Uh, every Friday morning, we run the This Week in Security article. And uh, in fact, I need to get to work on that to get this week's ready to go. Um, but come check that out over at hackaday.com. And then it, it looks like I've got another one that's going to be coming in the next probably week or so about earn it which is a new bill working its way through u.s congress that has lots and lots of uh, internet people up in arms and uh, hopefully we can take a more nuanced view of that and see what it's all about um so look over look forward to that over at hackaday.com um and then well i suppose we'll just uh, we'll see you next time on floss weekly 